you please take your Bibles and go to Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 15. If you're visiting with us, there's a black Bible in the chair in front of you. Um, Go underneath that chair and pull out that black Bible. Go to the back of that black Bible. Excuse me, and find page 13. Page 13, you'll find Matthew chapter 15. We're going to read verses 29 to 39. 15, 29 to 39. Matthew chapter 15, verses 29 to 39. Let's read together. And departing from there, Jesus went along by the Sea of Galilee, and having gone up to the mountain, he was sitting there. Great multitudes came to him, bringing with them lame, crippled, blind, dumb, and many others, and they laid them down at his feet, and he healed them. So the multitude marveled as they saw the dumb speaking, the crippled, healthy, and the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. And calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I feel compassion for the multitude because they've remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat and I do not wish to send them away hungry lest they collapse on the way. And the disciples said to him, where will we get so many loaves in a desolate desert to satisfy a great multitude? And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven and a few small fish. And directing the multitude to sit down on the ground, taking the seven loaves and fish and giving thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples and the disciples to the multitudes. And they all were satisfied. They picked up what was left over of the basket, excuse me, of the broken pieces, seven large baskets full. And those who ate were 4,000 men, besides women and children. And so in a way of the multitudes, he got into the boat and came to the region of Magadan. For someone who struggles with alcohol abuse or even drug abuse, it just doesn't cut it um, to stop for a a specific amount of time. Like, I'm just going to stop for a couple months. Or I'm just going to stop for X amount of time, whichever, just put in a time. Um... It's a lifetime decision. You have to decide to stop completely. Done. I have a friend, brother in Christ. That's what he did. I mean, he, was, he would smoke pot, did speed, heroin, cocaine, you name it, he did it. Acid, dropped acid, shrooms, everything. And he came to a point, he said, you know, alcohol too, I didn't mention alcohol. He was, drink, 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 drink. And he just stopped. He said, I can't do this anymore, I'm done. And he stopped. He had enough. He made a lifelong decision, a lifetime decision. And stopped. And that's the way it needs to be with us when it comes 
to response to the gospel. It's a lifetime response. Like Levi today. It's a lifetime response. A one-time act to show this is going to be my life. If you've been baptized, that's what you did too. If you haven't been baptized, mm, talk to me after the service. <clears throat> this is, or should be, a lifetime response to Jesus. I follow you. And as you see this glaring theme in Matthew's gospel, bow down and worship Jesus, the Messiah, King of Israel. In this passage, specifically, he's going to tell us, this is a lifetime response. It's a lifetime response. A couple statements. A lifetime response. Uh, Throughout our lives, God displays his merciful power to increase our faith, worship response to him. A response we should have our whole lives. As he shows his mercy, worship should increase. And then the great part about it is he takes our weak resources and our feeble faith and displays his mercy and his power anyways, which is what you see from the passage. He will faithfully provide for his people, calling them to respond to him in deeper, worshipful trust. That's what he does. And yet, too many times, we get tunnel vision and easily forget the power of God when our lives seem to unravel before our eyes. When life seems impossible, that's when God shows his mercy and power. When it's seemingly unbearable and hopeless, Jesus is merciful and faithful. And that's what you see from the passage today. Here we come to this part of Matthew's gospel where Jesus heals all these people like he's done before, and then he feeds 4,000 people, which uh, the numbers are probably at 16,000 or more with women and children there. Once again, by these very actions, real historical events that took place, not, not just imaginations, not just little stories, these real things that happened. Jesus displayed who he was, who he is, the Messiah, King of Israel. And he continued, Jesus continued to challenge the faith and worship of his disciples. Remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Embarking on this section of Matthew's gospel where opposition will arise, but Jesus is gonna take the time to challenge the faith of his disciples, to challenge their trustful worship of him. And he does it again here. And he does it to us as well. Because God will bring situations and events into our lives to test our trust in Jesus, who truly is the Messiah King, to trust him, not our circumstances. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. The truth is laid out before us. 
He calls us to trust Him. In these circumstances, in these different events of our lives, He puts us through these. How far will we trust Him? Not in our circumstances. And you see in the feeding of the 4,000, by the way, you have the same main points as the feeding of the, of, uh, the 5,000. But the 4,000 is very similar. Jesus withdrew, crowds approached him, he heals them, desired to feed them, disciples are inadequate resources, oh, what's going on? He sees the crowd, t- takes the loaves, he gives thanks, distributes, disciples, gives to the crowd, crowd satisfied, leftovers, and then the number's given. But two separate events, these aren't the same thing. He feeds 5,000, about 20,000 or more people, and then here he feeds 4,000, 16,000 more people. Two different events. Historical events, real events happen. So notice first, though, how Jesus displayed compassionate power. Look at verse 29. Departing from there, Jesus went along by the Sea of Galilee, and having gone up to the mountain, he was sitting there. Now it's hard to determine where exactly Jesus went and to whom he ministered. Now, some believe he came into Gentile territory, northeast part of the Sea of Galilee. So some believe this was a ministry toward Gentiles. And so these healings and the feeding was for 4,000 or more, whatever, Gentiles. Especially when you see, which we'll look at in a second, when it says they glorified the God of Israel. And then the desert, wilderness area, so it's hard to determine because Matthew doesn't really tell us. He's silent. But either way, it challenges the disciples' trust in Jesus once again. Because look what happens, verse 30. Great multitudes came to him, bringing with them lame, crippled, blind, dumb, many others, and they laid them down at his feet. All these people, lame, crippled, blind, dumb, many, and they laid them at his feet, and Jesus healed their diseases. Very similar to what he did in the other times in Matthew's gospel. And then notice verse 31. So that the multitude marveled as they saw the dumb speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. So notice it's a response of worship. This is the reason why many people believe this is in Gentile region, Gentile territory. Whether this was the Gentiles or not, here's the point. Jesus is the Messiah, King of Israel. Only the Messiah could perform such things. This was prophesied in the Old Testament. All these these different diseases, dumb speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, the blind seeing, only the Messiah was going to be able to do those things. It's only him. And they responded by glorifying Israel's God. It was a response of worship. Do you see that? Well, notice Jesus, he displayed his compassionate power again. Now, verses 32 to 39. And notice what, what's said here in verse 32. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I feel compassion for the multitude. The striking part is Jesus says he felt compassion for the hungry multitude who'd been with him for three days. He goes through the process explaining, for three days have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry lest they collapse on the way. It's amazing. Jesus felt compassion. Mercy. That's where you get 
the word splagna from the Greek. Splagna, from your gut, from your bowels. But that's how he felt. He had such pity for them. It's a good thing Jesus has pity for us. He has such mercy for us. Jesus feels compassion for us. And for these people, notice they've been with him for three days. How did they do this? You ever thought about this? Where did the people sleep? Did did they bring their food? Did they bring like their rolled up mattresses or something like that? You know, their, their foam, memory foam or something like that? Maybe there was a memory foam in that day, I don't know. But, but most likely Jesus was teaching them too and actually he usually did when he was healing people. He was teaching them as well. Here was a vivid display of the kingdom of God. A power, healing, teaching, and compassion. That's a display of God's kingdom. He didn't want to send them away, have them collapse on the way since they'd be so hungry. Evidently the resources ran out. Christ wanted to help. He presented the challenge to the disciples. Where was their faith and where was their compassion? Because notice, here's a middle point in between this. Notice the lack of worship. Verse 33. The disciples said to him, where would we get so many loaves in a desolate desert to satisfy a great multitude? Such great crowd of people. A lack of worship. Once again, the disciples prove to be unaware of the power of their master and displayed such cranky insensitivity as to what can be done for the people. It's striking to see their dullness. After they just saw all these healings, by Jesus. After they just saw the Canaanites uh, woman, her daughter, remember that last week? That Jesus healed from a distance. It's interesting to see the dullness of back over here earlier in Jesus' ministry, what, a day, couple weeks, couple months ago, whichever. Jesus fed over 20,000 people. It's striking to see their dullness. All they focus on was the problem of their lack of supply. Had they already forgotten? Didn't they just see these miracles? Oh, Christian, have you already forgotten? Have you forgotten your God? Have you forgotten the God that you serve. That's why I said earlier, too many times we get tunnel vision. And we easily forget the power of God when our lives seem to unravel before our eyes. We do that, don't we? When life seems impossible, that's when God shows his mercy. That's when God shows his compassion and his power. When it's unbearable, seemingly unbearable and hopeless, Jesus is compassionate. 
even when we're lacking in that faith, he still shows us compassion. That's a good thing. Because remember, we'll celebrate it in just a moment. You're going to celebrate the fact that even though there's been times of your unbelief, that's why Jesus had to die. Because of our doubt and our lack of faith in what he's doing. And we remind ourselves of this gospel truth once again. Too many times we forget what God has done for us as his people in the past. It's so easy to allow our circumstances to take over and overwhelm us instead of stopping, seeing God's great mercy and faithfulness, his promise kept in Christ, and trust him. We talked about this on Wednesday in our study of the book Real Change. I mean, the greatest of the greatest of promises that God could keep was to bring Messiah, right? He brought his son who died and physically died and physically rose from the dead. He kept his promise. So if he, if he kept his promise to bring his son, why do we lack such faith? Why does our trust in him teeter? We should stop. We should see God's great mercy and faithfulness that he's shown us in the past. He's kept his promise in his son and trust him. Here I go. The disciples, where we're going to get all this into this desolate desert, verse 34. And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven and a few small fish. Admitting their inadequate resources, Jesus asked what they had, and he would use it to multiply their supply. Where you see, Jesus takes us, we're weak, and uses us to display his glory. When we humble ourselves, he uses weaklings to show his power. Doesn't he? It's a good thing because he uses nobodies. Weaklings, it's who we are. We're weak in our faith. And he still takes us and still uses us for his glory. Takes our, one writer put it like that, inadequate resources. That's a great way to put it. Our resources are so inadequate. Unfortunately, the disciples had forgotten. Unfortunately, the disciples did not respond in worshipful faith. They allow what they saw, circumstances, to take over. Which is the reason why, as Paul says, we walk by faith. Right? Well, notice, his compassion continues. Praise God. 35 to 39. Took the multitudes, sit down. Took the resources given to him by the disciples. Seven loaves, three small fish. Gave thanks broke the bread, gave it to the disciples, gave it to the people. Interesting. The food was literally being multiplied in his hands out of, out of thin air. That's just, that's just an amazing sight to think about. 37. 
All eight satisfied, picked up, was left over the broken pieces, seven large baskets full. And then verse 38, those who ate 4,000 besides women and children. Plenty of carbs, plenty of protein. If you need more protein, there was there. So you'll be fine. And that's what God does. He provides for the needs of his people and more. Now, we're not talking about a prosperity gospel type ridiculous nonsense. No. Those who teach such things are false teachers and heretics. Do this and God will make you rich. That's not true. When anyone tells you that, they're lying. No, it's this. Focus on Jesus and his kingdom and he will care for us, his people, for those who trust him, even those of us who have small faith. He'll still show compassion to you. He'll still show you his grace. He'll still show you mercy. The disciples lacked faith. But Jesus did it anyways. Remember, we said this earlier, just a few moments ago, and then weeks ago. Jesus is doing these things, he's displaying who he is, and challenging the faith of his disciples. How much are they going to trust him? Though our faith is weak and feeble, Jesus still shows us his grace. But it will take weak faith and show mercy. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, he'll still take your weak faith and give you grace. He will save you. Turn from sin and trust Christ. Turn from sin and trust Christ. He will save you. He will show you his compassion. Notice verse 39, and sending away the multitude, multitudes he got into the boat, came into the region of Magadan, obscure town like Dalmanutha that's mentioned in Mark's gospel, Mark's gospel chapter eight. But it seems like now Jesus was definitely in Jewish territory because as we'll see next week, he gets talked to by those religious leaders again. We'll see that next week. So why would Matthew put a second meal miracle in his gospel? We've looked at this. Why would, why would Matthew do this? Well, his readers would remember God's faithfulness in the past in the Old Testament. Remember he took care of his people? Remember he had to give the showbread? That's, that's why they had the showbread there inside the tabernacle, that God is always providing for his people. Uh, like he did during the time of their wilderness when they're in the wilderness wandering, God was providing for them. Even for those who were dying in the wilderness, God provided for them. Plus, he does this, it will remind his readers of God's future blessing in the coming kingdom. Where God would richly supply for all the needs of his people, they will live in paradise with him as their king, Jesus as their king, when they celebrate that final banquet with him, what's called the eschatological banquet, the last banquet. It'll be celebrated. Uh, Jesus talked about this in chapter 8, verse 11 with the centurion. Uh, Matthew's trying to communicate something to us. He shows us once again, Jesus was the fulfiller of the law and the prophets by his Messiah revealing miracles and feeding the 4,000. God faithfully kept his promise by sending his Messiah's son. Since Moses and Elijah, 
Also had two feeding miracles in the Old Testament. Uh, Exodus chapter 16, Numbers 11, 2 Kings chapter 4. Matthew showed that someone greater than Moses is here. Someone greater than Elisha was here. So God and his power supersedes us. He takes our weak resources and turns it into something amazing to display his glory. He's in the habit of doing things like that. He will always provide for his people for those who seek and trust him. Do we trust Jesus to use us and our inadequate resources to meet our needs? Here's Jesus, our compassionate miracle worker and patient teacher. He works his providential sovereignty teaching us to trust him. Do we trust Jesus to use us? Do we trust Jesus in the midst of circumstances when it seems like everything is just caving in? Another lesson to learn as well. Do we show compassion toward others or become insensitive, cranky, and closed off like the disciples? We learn from Jesus to show compassion and mercy to each other just as he has shown mercy toward us. We give the same gentleness mindful of the fact that we're all frail and weak. Why do you show that same gentleness to me? Why do I show that same gentleness to you? Because guess what? I'm weak and frail just like you. You're weak and frail just like me. We're all in this together. But too many times we get that tunnel vision. When life seems impossible, that's when God's gonna show his mercy toward you and his compassion. When it's seemingly unbearable and hopeless, Jesus is merciful and faithful. God will bring situations and events into our lives to test our trust in Jesus, who truly is the Messiah King, to trust him, not our circumstances. The truth is laid before you. We need to trust him. Yet he takes our weak resources and feeble faith and displays his merciful power anyways. He will faithfully provide for his people, calling them to respond to him in deeper worshipful trust. That's what he does. Throughout our lives, God displays his merciful power to increase our faith worship response to him response we have our whole lives as he shows his mercy worship should increase because it's a lifetime response it's a response we have our whole lives always trusting things come we trust things come we trust and we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together it's, it's, it's another reminder to us of God's faithfulness in the past, bringing his Messiah, forgiveness of all our sins, reconciled to God because of Jesus' death and resurrection. That's why we celebrate that. And if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, a Christian, you might say, well, I'm not a member of this church. If you come from a church of like faith and practice and you've been baptized by immersion like Levi was, partake of the Lord's Supper with us by all means. If you're not a Christian, you should not partake of the Lord's Supper. It's not for you. Let it be a testimony. So as you see us, 
a, a vivid, physical, tangible display of the gospel. The bread representing the body of Jesus. The blood representing, excuse me, the, the juice representing his blood, shedding his blood, his life, okay? Also, if you're a Christian and you have something against another Christian, you've not gone to reconcile with that person, or even a non-Christian for that matter, I want to encourage you, first, don't partake of the Lord's Supper. First go and reconcile with that person as best as you can, and then come the next time to partake of the Lord's Supper with us. So this is going to be a reminder for us to remember the gospel, to remember God's faithfulness and his mercy to us in the past. So in the past, he's going to fulfill his promise in the future, so we have present hope now. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Jesus. Then in spite of the the events, uncertain, unsure, surprising events that take place in our lives, you still show your faithfulness and your compassion. So we once again renew once again renew our hope and trust and love for you in this gospel truth. We once again remind ourselves of how you, by your person and work, Lord Jesus, have drawn us, brought us to the Father in fellowship with him our repentance and trusting you. You being our very substitute on the cross. Thank you. Help us in our unbelief. Remind us that it's those times of unbelief and doubt that's why you had to die. Encourage us with the gospel truth this morning. Again, we pray. So I ask Take some time to think through and ponder. Let your, your mind dwell upon these things that we've seen from God's word. Speak to yourself the gospel again, the truth of the gospel. Remind yourself of the truth of the gospel. Examining your heart. Remind yourself of how you've turned from sin and you put all your hope and trust in Jesus Christ alone. After a few moments of that, we'll, I'll have the men come and they'll hand out the bread to us. But take these moments and do that, please, if you would.